Hey, Sam. It's Bill and Aisha here. We love it that you guys are joining us this Sunday morning. Wait, wait, wait. Technically, it's Thursday. Let's be honest. Good point. Okay. It's yeah. Thursday morning, you guys. We've got a bunch of kids on our property oh, working whoa, today. Whoa. Hold on. That can be taken out of context. We have our Ascent kids with their parents out here making our property beautiful. They're pulling weeds. They're flexing their muscles. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's yes. a much better clarification. Ooh, you guys, um, our, our kids, man, they are getting ready for school. They're just a couple of weeks from school getting started. And this has got to be a confusing time for these guys. And because of that, we want to start our Sunday morning by getting a perspective from some of our kids. Let's, Let's do go, it. Bill. Let's do it. Okay, you guys, so we've got Garrett here. Garrett is, what grade are you going into? First grade. First grade, that's awesome. Garrett, how excited are you about school? Are, are you nervous about it? Are you excited about Say it? it. So Ellie, what do you think about all this COVID stuff? It's crazy and like, you never know what to expect. It's just hard. Well, y'all, this is my friend, Sophia. Sophia, what grade will you be going in? Third. How are you feeling about school starting? I mean, I want to stay in summer, but I want to go back to school. All right, so we've got Ayla here. Ayla, what grade are you going to be in? First grade. First grade. Okay, so are you excited about school getting started? Yeah, but my mom said I'm going to be homeschooling. You're going to be homeschooling, huh? So you're not going to go to school right away, right? Is that hard? Or are you going to miss some of your friends? Yeah. We're gonna have some play dates I overheard my mom saying once that maybe we might like one half of the school year it'll be in person and one half it'll be online. Which I don't know how I feel about that. You don't know how you feel about that? Mm. Greta, what's what's it like for you as you're getting ready to go back to school? Um, I know it's gonna be a lot different than what it was like last year. Yeah. But I'm sort of ready for the worst, I guess. So this is Elle. Elle, what grade are you going into? Pre-K. Pre-K. Are you excited about school? Yeah. So excited. <laughs> you are. What, are you excited to see your new teachers? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Okay, but what, are you ready to go in there? Are you going to wear a mask to school? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, you might, huh? And you're going into eighth grade? Yeah. Eighth grade. So you've already done a, a year middle school yeah. already. So it's hard for you to get ready for this year, right? Yeah, you don't really know what you're expecting. But, I mean, it's what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> oh, is that not the words that we all need to hear right now? Thanks, Greta. That's awesome. Yeah. And how are you feeling about starting school? Um, I'm a little nervous and I'm a little excited. And why are you a little nervous? Nervous because um, I think it'll be hard to make friends. You need to know that we are so rooting for you guys that you're going to have a good year. Even though it's a different year, it's a good year for you, right? Okay, thanks for sharing with us today. All right, you guys, you guys just heard from our kids, and we want to be praying for them, but we also need to be praying for our teachers. In fact, we are going to dedicate an entire week just for you guys that are teaching, okay? We're gonna put a little, uh, uh, Kayla's email at the bottom of the screen, and will you let us know who, you, if, if you know a teacher in our, in our community, let us know if you're a teacher, because we wanna be praying for you, we wanna be hearing your story, and we, we wanna give you guys a little bit of a care package, just, so, just to know that we love you guys, and we're thinking of you in this really confusing season for you. 
Yes, and two more quick things. If you are new, make sure you fill out that Connect card online, or if you're watching on demand, fill that out on the website. And thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for continuing to give so we can do awesome things for our community. That's right, that's right. So you guys, thank you so much for joining us this morning, man. Let's worship God together. When my family and I first moved to Colorado, one of the first places we visited was a place called the Butterfly Pavilion. Now, the Butterfly Pavilion, it's a kind of small children's museum dedicated to the natural world. And when you walk in, the first room you come to is full of glass cases, full of all different kinds of insects, spiders and beetles and bees, things that fly and things on the ground. But if you're really lucky, they'll have an exhibit open where you get to stand in line for a long time. And then at the end of it, they put a huge grapefruit-sized tarantula right in your hand. And when we went, uh, my daughter was four at the time. She stood in that line, she waited for her moment, and she held Rosie the tarantula. She was so pumped because they gave her a sticker, and she'll do anything for a sticker. So the next room that you move into is dedicated to the ocean, and there's huge aquariums full of the usual things, fish and crabs and starfish. But the next room, this is the coup de grace. This is the real reason you go. Because the next room is the butterfly room. And so you walk into this huge, like totally encased garden, and there are thousands of butterflies flying everywhere. And so we're walking through this, this space when the worst thing that can happen happens. Um, I'm there and, and my, my four-year-old daughter is viciously and savagely attacked by a butterfly. Yeah, one of these bloodthirsty creatures landed right on her shoulder and doing the only thing that any person can do in a moment like that, she began to scream and cry and thrash about violently um, until I picked her up and rushed her out of the butterfly room. You gotta remember, like a butterfly isn't a giant hairy spider that can be trusted. This is something that really means you ill will. You know, we've been back to the butterfly pavilion a lot of times since then, and, and I have been able to convince my daughter that the, uh, the butterflies offer no threat to her. But I'm always amazed to look at what are the exhibits that really capture my kids' imaginations. And there's one that never fails. As you leave the butterfly room, there's a wall that's encased in glass and behind it are hundreds of cocoons. My kids will always stand there and stare up at this wall in amazement and pepper the attendant who's there with questions because every cocoon is different. It's a different color, it's a different shape, it's a different size. But my kids' imaginations are captured with this idea that this caterpillar can go to work building this thing and somehow inside one thing turns into another. It goes from this, you know, glorified earthbound worm into something beautiful with wings that can fly. We're entering into a new series here at Ascent called Becoming because the Christian life really is a becoming sort of story. It's a cocoon-like process when we are able to wrap and encapsulate ourselves in the life of Jesus and through obedience to his teaching be changed from one thing into another. We too can become something beautiful with wings that can fly. So we're recording right now in the office in my home in Lafayette. And we're doing it here because I wanted to give you a taste, like a look into a part of my life 
that has become so, so important to me. Um, I want to describe what my morning routine looks like. And, but let me start with this disclaimer. I wish I could say that I have always been really good and disciplined about saving time like this, but that just wouldn't be uh, true. But I am on a good streak right now, and it's been so good for me. And I want to share that with you. So in my home, uh, I have two daughters. One is four, one is seven. Um, I also have a lovely wife whose age will be unnamed. Um, but in our house, I am always the first person awake. Pretty much any day of the week, I'm up and out of bed by 5.30 in the morning. Um, and so I'll kind of silently sneak out of bed and I'll dress myself in the dark and, and I make my way downstairs alone in an empty and silent house. And, my first stop is always the kitchen and I start brewing a pot of coffee. And to tell you the truth, like while the coffee's brew brewing, I'm usually just kind of fooling around on my phone or probably reading something about sports. But once the coffee is ready, I pour it in a cup and I come into this office. I come in and I, I turn on the overhead lights and I turn on the lamps. I open the blinds so that as the sun begins to come up, I'll be able to see it. And um, I light a candle um, so it'll smell nice and the candle kind of keeps me company and I sit in this chair, always in this chair. And generally the first thing I'll do is I will just sit here and I'll drink my coffee for a while and I will just soak in the silence. Um, as you can maybe imagine in a home with two little ones, um, silence is not something that I get a lot of um, after this time. But at a certain point, um, I will say a super brief, really short prayer, usually something like, like you know, hey Jesus, Pray that you would just speak to me in this time. Um, and then I pick up my Bible and um, I just start reading it. And at different times in my life, I have had like a reading plan I was going through or devotional I was doing. Um, I'm not doing that right now. I'm sure I will again at some point. Um, mostly I just pick a book and I start reading through it until I'm done and then I pick another one. But so I'll start reading the Bible and I'll just read it until I feel like I've read enough. And then I put it down and I'll start to pray. And I've been making a point recently um, to start every day praying through what are the things I'm grateful for. I tend to be a person who, by nature, I, I can get really caught up on what are the things I'm longing for, and I forget that I have so much in my life already to be grateful for. So I'll pray through those things. Um, and then I'll begin to pray for the people in my life who mean the most to me. Um, I'll pray for my kids and my wife, for my family, for my friends, right? And then when I'm done with that, I just start talking to God about whatever it is that's been dominating my mind. I can, I can get caught in my head sometimes and have a lot going on in here. And so I just begin to, to tell God about those things. And I might ask for help or for insight. I might ask for peace. I might um, just continue to be, to be grateful for something that's happening in my life. But I'll talk to God for a while until eventually I'll usually find that my mind has wandered onto something else entirely um, and I'll shake my head and be like, oh my gosh, you're supposed to be spiritual, Chris. You're a pastor. Don't you know that? Um, so then I'll feel bad about myself for a while. Maybe you can relate to that. Um, and I'll try to pull myself back in. Uh, one thing I do sometimes that I learned in a book or in a class or something somewhere is um, I'll just begin to pray a single simple fra phrase over and over again in my head um, to kind of bring me back. Recently, um, I've often just prayed the phrase, come Holy Spirit. Just trying to say, you know, God, I just want you to come and just be around me, be in my life, be a part of what is going on with me today. At the end of that time, then I, um, I'll say amen 
I'll be done. Um, and I keep other books here and I'll pick up a book and I'll just read until my kids wake up and they come down. Um, I gotta tell you, this has become my favorite part of the day. And I notice like when I do this, when my kids come down, I'm, I'm happy to see them instead of like groaning because they've woken me up. Throughout the day, I'm more patient with them. I find I uh, approach life with more peace and more joy. I like who I am more when I give myself time at the beginning of the day to start like this. I love it. Sometimes I even get to walk away with some kind of new insight. So it might be a new insight into myself, or it might be an insight into God or into a relationship or a circumstance that's happening in my life. But it's especially in those moments when it feels like God is beginning to show something to me that I didn't know before, that these moments that I spend in this chair can feel in the littlest way like a moment inside the cocoon for that caterpillar. When God is beginning to do something new and so today I want to talk to you specifically about something that God has been showing me in my times connecting to God in the morning. And then I want to talk some about how we can all begin to experience things like that. How do we actually apply it in our lives? Uh, but I did mention that I always start my day uh, by showing gratitude to God. And so I want us to actually have a moment together to show gratitude. God, we are just thankful this morning that you would be the God that you are to us. I know in this season, it's so hard to, to um, find moments of gratitude, to find moments of thankfulness. But Father, we come to you this morning singing a song directly about that. We are so thankful for all the things we do have. God, please bless us this morning as we just give thanks back to you, that we sing a song of gratitude to you. Choose this day to be grateful, Lord. I give you praise with an open heart. I'm waking up to heaven. I'm waking up to you. Oh, we choose this day, Father. I choose this day. To be grateful, Lord, I give you praise with an open heart, waking up to heaven. I'm waking up to you. Oh, I'm waking up, yes. I'm waking up to heaven. Faithfulness 
So when I was in middle school, um, this idea of taking a time in your day to read the Bible and to pray was introduced to me with the title of Quiet Time. And I thought then, and I think now, this is the worst possible name you could give uh, to something that you're trying to get a very squirrely and very extroverted 13-year-old boy to do. This is like, a, this is a marketing nightmare. I've realized now that 
Almost certainly, the name Quiet Time was uh, generated by a 38-year-old father with two small kids for whom quiet and time were the two most precious items in his life. Because uh, I hear the word now, and my goodness, it just sounds delicious. Um, regardless of what you call it, Throughout my life in the church, uh, I've consistently been, it's been impressed upon me that this is an important practice for me to have in my life. And at times in my life, I've been very good at doing it. And, and unfortunately, at times in my life, I've gone long periods where, where I was really undisciplined in this. But I still agree with the general concept that this is an incredibly important part of my life. And traditionally, when I've read books about it or heard a sermon given on this topic, they tend to focus on why it's good for me if I do it. And that's true. Like, at least in my life, I have experienced it to be a very positive thing. But at the core, that's actually not why we take time to carve out of our lives and, and be connected to and in relationship with God. At the core, we do it because God is deserving of it and because it's what we were made for. I believe that we are most fully ourselves when we are living a life in connection to God. Um, St. Augustine or Augustine, I don't know how you're supposed to say it, but maybe you've heard of this guy, um, is this like pillar in the, in the years of the early church. This brilliant man. Some people would, would say that he's, he's one of the most influential minds that the Western world has ever produced. He wrote books. He rose to a really high leadership position in the church. He's a fascinating character. Um, so Augustine uh, was an African man. He was born in what we now know as Algeria, who rose to a really high and prominent position in the church. And he had the coolest title maybe anyone's ever had. His name was St. Augustine, Bishop of Hippo. And I imagine being the Bishop of Hippo is funnier now than it was then, but that's an amazing title. Um, maybe his most favorite book or his most famous book is one called The Confessions. And he writes it as a prayer to God. Um, and in the Confessions, he says this. He's, he's, he's addressing God. He says, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You have made us for yourself, God, and our heart is restless until it can rest in you. When the first time I read that, it, it resonated so deeply with me. Um, and sometimes I think about it like this. Back in March and April, in this household, we did a lot of puzzles as we were trying to get used to being cooped up in the house all the time. Uh, maybe you did too. So I want you to think about if you've ever done like a really big, really hard puzzle, like at least a thousand pieces, and you know how this goes. You have to clear off your kitchen table and it stays out there for a long time. You have to eat somewhere else for a while. Um, have you ever worked on one of these puzzles? It's so fun, like you'll do it as a family or with someone and, and spend a few hours talking and putting pieces together and it takes days. But there comes a point, and it happens on every puzzle, where you realize, oh, we're gonna finish this puzzle today. This is the day. And if you're anything like me, you start picking up the pace, like you're like, no, I need all the blue ones. And it's because it's become a race, because we all wanna be the one who gets to put the last piece in the puzzle. That's the best one. Well, let me ask you if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever been doing a puzzle like that and gotten to that moment and the race is there and all the pieces are in except one and that piece can't be found? Do you know that moment? Like you, you will tear your house apart to find the last piece of that puzzle. But let me ask you this. 
Have you ever gotten to that point and been like, you know what? I can't find the thousandth piece, but look at the 999 pieces we got. That seems good enough. Of course you can't do that. That would be insane, right? You will do anything to get that last piece because it's just not complete. It's not whole until you find it. You have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We were designed to be completed with a piece of the puzzle that is this connection and relationship with God. That's why I get up in the morning and do this. Because when I do, I find out more who I really am. There's another historical figure, a guy named Wilbur Wilberforce that you may have heard of. He was a career politician in Great Britain. And over his many decades in parliament, he dedicated himself to seeing the abolition of slavery in the entire British empire. And that was a task that he ultimately got to see completed in his lifetime. But did you know that this drive and passion that he worked at over decades started by sitting with a group of friends and reading the Bible together. But even before that, he was spending private time praying incredible things to God. And he wrote some of them down. Let me read you. This is a prayer that Wilbur Wilberforce prayed. He said, O oh Lord, reassure me with your quickening spirit. Without you, I can do nothing. Mortify in me all ambition, vanity, vainglory, worldliness, pride, selfishness, and resistance from God. And fill me with love, peace, and all the fruits of the Spirit. O Lord, I know not what I am, but to you I flee for refuge. I would surrender myself to you, trusting your precious promises and against hope, believing in hope. In addition to having an incredible vocabulary, I love that he asked, he said, God, fill me with the fruits of the Spirit. You know what that is? That refers to another verse in the Bible that lists out what are some of the character attributes that tend to grow in a person who is spending time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I actually have them on this poster here. He's saying, God, fill me with love and joy and peace and patience, with kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I also read about him, he had another practice that every day at the end of the day, he would write out the first letter of each of the words on this list. And he would think back through the last 24 hours and he would actually rate himself. He would assign himself a score on how he had done that day in each of those categories. And then for the areas where he had succeeded, he would thank God for that. And in the areas where he knew he had failed in a relationship, he would ask for forgiveness and for God's help to make him different. You know, I don't know what it takes to become the sort of person who spends your entire life fighting an uphill battle to eventually abolish slavery in the world's greatest global empire. But I know that for Wilbur Wilberforce, it happened by daily spending time in the cocoon, asking God to turn him into something that could truly, truly soar. He actually says something else in this prayer that I find incredibly inspiring. Listen to this. He says at the end, I know not what I am, but to you I flee for refuge. I would surrender myself to you. That is such a huge prayer, right? He says he doesn't come to God saying, hey, here are the things I need you to set straight and this is what it should look like at the end. He says, God, I don't even know. 
I don't know what you have for me in this life. I can't see all of my blind spots. I just surrender myself to you. I need you to show me what it is, and I need, then I need you to help me be something beautiful. So I want to share with you guys now a little bit about what I feel like God has been revealing to me about my own life um, as I sit in this chair in the mornings. So a few weeks ago, um, I mentioned I, you know, I, in my morning times, I always start by praying out my gratitudes. And I was sitting here and I was doing that. And I'm just thinking through the things that I'm grateful for. But that morning, uh, I had been reading through a book in the Bible called 1 John. And um, 1 John has a theme that comes up repeatedly in it where he talks about the things in our life that are from God and the things in our life that are not from God. And the things that aren't from God, he, he calls us, those are the things that are from the world, right? Now listen, listen to what, what is written um, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 15 through 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. That one's big for me, achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So this morning, as I'm going through my, my gratitudes, that is in the back of my mind, right? And, I'm starting, and I've got this list of the things I'm saying I'm grateful for, and I started to realize something. I realized, yes, that, that God has given me so much to truly be grateful for in my life. But the world has actually given me a lot of things to be grateful for, too. And as I looked honestly at the list in my head, so much of what I found myself most thankful for and most focused on were not the things that God had given me. They were the things that the world had. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. You know, almost always, one of the first things to say is, I, I'm grateful to get to live in this house and in this community. Um, and I'm even grateful for this room. Like, it's a nice space. It's calm. Um, it has nice things in it. But it also brings up a pretty unattractive side of me. Because to tell you the truth, in the last couple of weeks getting ready for this sermon, I have wasted at least as much and probably more mental and emotional energy worrying about what I was going to get this room to look like for this recording than I was about what I was going to say into the camera. A lot of the things in this room are actually new. This is a new lamp. Used to have a different lamp back here. I just didn't like it very much. Uh, I thought this one was better. Um, these um, whiteboards here were just on the ground and had been for months. I finally hung them up. Uh, there's, a, there's a new lamp on my desk. That's also brand new for this. The bookshelves were a mess. Just a bunch of cluttered stuff on there and I eliminated a lot of it. And now my basement is a cluttered mess uh, so that I could make these look better. This plant, this plant's great, right? So when, when COVID-19 hit and I started having to work from this office all the time, my wife, um, who also works, we put a desk up in our bedroom and she works up there. Um, and she maybe more naturally will just make a space around her look nice. This is hers. I stole this plant from my wife so that it would look better in here for this. But here is the best moment. This is a really good one. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this space on the wall, right? Because I knew it was going to be right behind me. I wanted it to look good. And so... Um, I had picked out this really big uh, photograph, this big piece of art 
um, on Ikea because you know big things make a statement like that looks really good and nice and I wanted that and but then I'm trying to figure out when am I going to drive to Centennial right I don't really have time for that but I was going to make it happen this week and then my wife said you know why don't you get on you can check the availability you don't want to drive down there if it's not in stock and wouldn't you know it wasn't in stock and I like fell apart. I was so upset and I was like, this is the most important part of the shot. It's right behind me. And my, my wife had the audacity, if you can believe it, to try to help me come up with another solution or also say, you know, Chris, it may be more important what you have to say in your sermon than what's on the wall behind you. And I did not handle her help in the way that I would have liked. It brought out an ugly side of me because I realized, and God was showing me that morning I was sitting here, that I can get so hung up on my possessions that they start to possess me. And I get oppressed by the opinions that other people have of me. I have worried so much about the space because I want it to make you think something about me. And so much of my mental energy and emotion and headspace has gone to that. And I don't like it. And so God is bringing this up in me, showing me something about myself that I didn't realize, that, that materialism and things has a hold on me in a way that I didn't realize it did. But 1 John wasn't the only book that I had floating in my head. See, I'm also in a core group. Uh, through, the, through the church. And so I have a group of guys that we get together once a week in the morning, and we've been doing it for about three years. And that group has been one of the most important and consistent parts of my life in that time. Um, and we are reading this book right now, uh, The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. The, uh, the subtitle is The Truth About the American Church's Complicity and Racism. And at its heart, this is a history book. But it's giving me a history of the church that I didn't know, right? As I get to see it through the perspective and experience of my black and brown brothers and sisters. And it's ghastly, honestly, to hear some of the legacy that the church has had in this country and in this world and in the treatment of people from different racial backgrounds than my own. And so in my head, I began to realize that some of these things that I'm the most focused on having and obtaining in this life have come to me with a little more ease than they might have otherwise. And they have come to me with that ease at the expense and the pain of, of my black and brown brothers and sisters. And God starts to show me like, Chris, this is, the, this is the worst result that comes when we fall in love with things, right? Because it will make people do unspeakably horrible things to other people in order to preserve them, in order to get them. When you are ready to tear the house apart to find that missing piece in the puzzle, you will do a lot of damage. God was showing me like, Chris, you care more about what other people think about you than what I think about you. And that is damaging and that is hurtful because when I get in that place, I get into this place where I forget that I'm already okay. I'm already enough. I'm already loved because God says that I am. And I start running and running and moving, trying to figure out how to secure myself in this world. My heart is restless 
until I find rest in God. This is a truth that I see working out in my life over and over and over again as I realize that there are chains around my heart that are oppressing me, that I am so wrapped up and I am unhappy because all I can think about is what can I get, what can I have, what can I make you think about me? Uh, The Bible says in the book of Galatians that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't allow yourself to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I see all the ways that I allow my heart to be wrapped in chains. And I come to this place where I just have to say, God, I need help. Because see, I don't want to live in slavery. I want to live in freedom. But for me to do that, for me to really get into that place, I have to have enough humility to admit that I have a problem and that I can't solve it on my own. I can't read enough books. I can't study hard enough. I can't pay my therapist for enough sessions. I can't get enough mentors. I can't be in a core group long enough for me to totally set myself free. I need God's help. And so I come to a place that day where I have been asking God, God, I don't even know what I need. Show me what I need. See, I didn't sit down that morning planning for God to show me this imbalance in my life, but God did. But I had been sitting in this chair consistently saying, God, whatever it is, change me, mold me, transform me, make me more like Jesus. And then God begins to show me what is the truth inside of me. And then I come to this place where I just have to say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to live this way anymore, and I need your help to be different. I find myself confessing. Now, confession is one of these like old Christian words that, that can seem like really weird, and, and there's way too many words like that. And you may hear it and think, isn't that a Catholic thing, right? Or you have a confession booth. But the truth is that confession is not just for Catholics. Confession is for everyone. Confession is for anyone who wants to experience real freedom, who doesn't want to keep making the same mistakes over and over again, who doesn't want to stay stay trapped in the same traps that you've, you've been in and out of for your entire life. If you want to go from what you are to become something new, something better, something that can live and truly soar, then confession is how that happens. And so I found myself confessing, saying, God, I, I didn't know this about me and I don't want it anymore. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you help me to be different? Will you help me to be better? Because here's what happens when we embrace that humility, when we step into confession, God will make a difference in our lives. And so I want that for myself. I want that kind of freedom in my life, but I actually want that for all of us. I want it for you too. And But I know that Sometimes you can hear a pastor in a sermon talk about what, it, what it's like to connect to God and you're left thinking, but what do I do? How do I do that? It can be intimidating to start to pray or to read the Bible. And so I want us to have a moment together right now where we can take this first step together. So in just a moment, our worship pastor, Becky, is going to lead us in a song. And it's a song that cries out to God saying, I need your help. I need you to purge me. But before that, she's going to read to us from the Bible a few verses from Psalm 51. And and this is a psalm that also says, God, I create in me a clean heart. Make me different. Show me what needs to happen and then do it in me. So here's what I want you to do. As she prepares to sing this song, as she's reading those verses, maybe close your your eyes. Try to have a, a spiritual moment where you connect to God and let the words that she's reading 
echo those. Let those be your words spoken to be God and spoken to God. And as the song begins, let the words of the song be your prayer. Ask God, where do I need your help? What do I need to confess of? And then would you help me? And then sit and listen and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't begin to have something to say to you. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you.
The caterpillar has a job to do in order to become a butterfly. What's interesting is that the caterpillar's job is not to grow wings. The caterpillar's job is just to go into the cocoon. Similarly, if we are wanting to experience change and growth in our life, our, our job is not to make ourselves be better, make ourselves be more kind, more compassionate, all of the words on this list, right? Our job is just to consistently put ourselves into contact with God, to lean into that relationship and let it grow so that God becomes the one who acts in us. But I know that it can be hard to know, what do I do? How do I do that? And so we've got three ways for you to do that. So here's the first one. And while I'm talking about these, we're actually gonna put a QR code up on the screen. If you don't know what that is, you can just take out, if you have a smartphone, open your camera and put it, hover it over that QR code and a little link will appear on your screen. And if you press that, it will take you to the website that will, that will take you to, um, to whatever we're talking about. So here's the first one. Thing that you can do this week in order to connect to God, to put yourself in the cocoon. So number one is you can listen. So we put together a playlist on Spotify of songs that we sing as a church. We all spend a lot of time in the day listening to, to podcasts, to music, to talk radio, to all sorts of things. What if for a week you committed that for a certain part of your day, you were going to change what you listen to and you were going to listen to music that directed your heart towards God. So the first thing you can do is listen. 
Here's the second one. You can connect to other people. I mentioned in the talk that I've been a part of this core group for three years. It's a group of guys that we meet and we've, we read the Bible together or we read books and we, we share what's happening in our lives and we pray for one another. And having those kind of fellow travelers to walk through life with has been so formative for me. I want that for all of you. We have a number of groups, some um, that are, are smaller, are meeting in person again, you know, socially distant, some are meeting online, but there is opportunity for you to be in a group like that. So we're gonna put this QR code too. That will take you to our core groups page on the website, which you can also find easily by navigating there. Um, it'll take you to that page. You can learn more about what we're talking about. You can see what groups are meeting, or you can even sign up to start a new one if you don't find what you want. But we are committed to helping you find the people to connect to, to help you grow on that journey. All right, here's the last way that you can kind of apply this message in your life. Um, and this is the one I'm kind of the most excited about just because it's new to me. So if you have an app on your phone that, that has the Bible on it, most likely it's called the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have it, you can find it pretty easily. So we're gonna put this code up right here. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna be starting a 14-day Devo on there, and we can actually do it together. I've created a group, and so the link that this QR code takes you to will help you join that group. Every morning, um, or whatever time works for you in the day, there'll be kind of a short devotional to read. It'll give you some passages from the Bible to read, and then some questions to reflect on in a place where you can take notes. But we'll be able to like see other people that are in there and kind of give a virtual high five and feel like we are a part of a team doing it together. And I would love it if a big group of us wanted to jump on and be a part of this group. So we're gonna be doing a study, it's called Unexpected. It's written by this incredible uh, Bible teacher and pastor named Christine Kane. Um, and it's focused on how do we grow our faith. So I hope that you'll consider being a part of that with me uh, starting tomorrow morning. So towards the end of 1 John and its last chapter, chapter 5, it says this, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. We achieve this victory through our faith. You know, for the next few weeks, um, we're going to be continuing on this theme. What does it look like to lean into a relationship with God and let that relationship shape us into who and what we were always meant to be? How is it that we step fully into the abundant, rich, and full life that Jesus describes to us in the words of the Bible? It's going to be a series on becoming. How do we fully be who we were always meant to be? I want you to remember the last line of that verse, that we find victory over the world through our faith. And faith is something that is always given us as a gift from God. So our job is just to keep leaning into the relationship, connecting deeply with God in any way that we can. So we're gonna sing one more song today and I wanna invite you again to have a moment where you step into and let it speak for you and from you to God. This is a song called Give Me Faith. Pretty simple title, right? And know as you let these words become your prayer that we are praying for you, that we are all struggling down this road together and that there is a God in heaven who is celebrating every step that you take on your road to becoming something new and something that can soar.
Well, Ascent, like Chris said, we want to close with a song that we're singing together wherever you're at. And this song is about giving God giving us faith to trust what he says. And you know, there's this relationship between God and us where we get to say, God, I believe, help me with my unbelief, meet me here. And so we're gonna lift our voices together and we're gonna sing these words. And I wanna ask you that you make this your prayer. Can we make the words of this song that we are singing to God a prayer together as Ross leads? Would you join us? I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my
Sunday. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Bye.